0: Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. I was one of those who had a very low view of the Church. Uh, I had been raised Catholic and then fell away and ended up encountering Christ uh, when I was in my early 20s and got involved in, you know, evangelical Protestant Christianity, which was very helpful for me, I will say. That's where I learned to pray. It's where I learned about the inspiration of Scripture. It's where I used learned how to evangelize. Uh, so... But one thing I didn't get was the absolute necessity and importance of the church. This was really played down. I mean, we started a church uh, in a friend's house. You know. <laughs> so the idea was um, institutional uh, Christianity, not so good. Now I look at that and I say, I was immature. As I read St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, you can't read that and not realize all the graces that he refers to there are only available to us as we are members of Christ's body. Now, Palm Sunday kicks off Holy Week, and soon we're going to be in the Triduum where things are going to get more intense. I want to put in a special plug for taking Holy Thursday seriously, because in this day and age, it's one way of saying how absolutely important the Church is. Of course, it's, on Holy Thursday, we look at the institution of the priesthood, which is a, the means of grace. But I notice many Catholics don't get serious about uh, Holy Week until Good Friday. And I'm not trying to make anybody guilty. Families are difficult. It's hard to get everything in. But if you can do it, get there for Holy Thursday. Now, we cannot receive the grace that God has for us as mere individuals. We have to be members of Christ's mystical body. Sociologists and social psychologists have pointed out for a long time that spirituality in America is moving away from membership uh, in churches. The New York Times Magazine carried a piece called God Decentralized. Now, we know people are made for God, and we know people will hunger for God to a more or less degree. Um, there is a huge interest in spirituality. I was in Barnes & Noble uh, just yesterday. And again, saw lots of material on, quote, spirituality, as well as, quote, religion. But at the same time, there is this uh, spirituality hunger going on. It's very clear that people are moving away from organized religion. God's being decentralized. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, St. Paul tells the Ephesians that they can have spiritual vitality. They can have victory over bad habits and sin, that God can rejuvenate you spiritually so that you experience the great love of God uh, who awakens us, though we're dead in trespasses and sins. This is the God who gives us immeasurable graces, so much so that we can become his artistry, his workmanship, his bit of poetry, and find a meaningful life in the works that he's prepared beforehand for us all this in in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 is about what God will do for me to rejuvenate me spiritually. Where I've been broken, he can make me whole. Where I've been poor, he can make me rich. Where I've been dead, he can make me alive. Now this is great. I mean, who doesn't want this, right? Everybody wants this. But in verses 11 through 22 of chapter 2, Saint Paul wants us to see that this surpassing unsurpassing power of God is connected to the absolute necessity of the church. If you want all those things that he describes in verses one through ten, well, you can't have them as a spiritual lone ranger you've got to become members of christ's body and he's very he is very um, confrontational about this let me let me read a little bit of. Uh, verses 11 through 22, he's addressing the Gentiles. Again, these are the people who are outside Judaism, outside the covenants, outside the circumcision. He says, remember, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded From citizenship in Israel, you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. Without being members of the covenant community, St. Paul is saying, they're without hope and without God in the world. But now, he says, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two separate. These hostile communities, Jew and Gentile, he's made one. He's destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between them. And he had a purpose in all this. His purpose was to create in himself one new man, the last Adam, out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Consequently... This is one of the most important passages on the nature of the church. It isn't just about about God's mercy or the forgiveness of sins or some fulfilled messianic prophecy. This is St. Paul telling us that Christ is recreating the human race. Or you might say God is recreating the human race through Christ, and that you can't be part of that on the sidelines or on the periphery. Uh, We must choose whom we're going to serve, who deserves our allegiance, Gentiles is who he's talking to there, but it applies to all those who are baptized. We can no longer pride ourselves on our allegiance to, you know, our homeland, um, our families. Uh, We have become citizens of a new society, and we now have to become one with people that we may not even like, that we might think are below us, that we might even think are a little backward. But St. Paul is clear. If you're to be in the plan of God— Jesus calls you out of your prior ethnicity, country, family, and into his new kingdom, new family, and new temple. You know, can the surpassing power of God come into your life and change your life uh, only individually and not corporately? Can the surpassing power of God come into your life and flow through your life if you're not willing to be deeply grafted into a community of love, truth, and mission— Can the power of God work through your life only as an individual and not as part of this new community? The biblical answer is absolutely not. If you want spiritual vitality, if you want healing from brokenness, victory over addictive habits, and that joy, joy, joy deep down in your heart, you have to be united with Christ and his body, the church. When sociologists have asked the American people, do you believe you can be a very good Christian or a very good Jew without attending a church or synagogue? 81% of Americans say yes. Let that sink in. When sociologists have asked the American people, do you believe you can be a very good Christian or a very good Jew without attending a church or synagogue? 81% of Americans say yes. The scriptures say we cannot do it on our own. St. Paul in the apostolic tradition says you cannot do it on your own. Americans think like individuals. They have a distorted picture of our humanity. They don't recognize that we are intrinsically social beings, even for those who like to say, you know, I'm not a joiner. You cannot have the immeasurable grace of God apart from being grafted into a new people of love, truth, and mission. The church is absolutely necessary. Well, you might find somebody who finally says, okay, okay, uh, yeah, okay, um, I'll, I'll sign on the dotted line. I'm not much of a joiner, but if you say that, uh, yeah, I'll get in there. But uh, look, don't expect much. I, I'm a last pew kind of guy, not a front pew kind of guy. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the periphery. Well, again, God says the church is not only necessary, he says that our relationship to it must be intense. You're called to be all in, as they say. Take a look at the language that St. Paul uses. First of all, you become a citizen of a new society. You experience a change of citizenship. You're no longer primarily a resident of Michigan or Portland or America. You have a new membership because you've been taken out of all those human relationships and given membership in the kingdom of God. That's become primary. You've become part of the new humanity, a new race a new ethnicity, a new kingdom. Second, so that we don't doubt the intensity of our commitment, St. Paul says we are members of God's household. Household means family. We are now part of a family held together by covenantal promises and kinship bonds that were initiated by God himself. We aren't held together just because we like one, one another or because we've got some common spiritual interests. We are metaphysically and mystically one, one with one another in Christ. God is not just your new king and you a new citizen. God is now your father, and you're in a new family. Thirdly, this is intense. You are also building blocks in a temple in which God's presence, his kind of glory, lives. And you're cemented in with all those others who are building blocks in this new temple. It's erected on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, not just any apostles and prophets, but Peter and Paul, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. You're not just making up, you know, choosing your prophets as you go along. You're connected to a particular tradition with definite content about who God is, who you are, what's wrong with this world. And what's the solution? So you're a new citizen in a new kingdom with a new king. You're a new householder, uh, new brothers and sisters, new family, and with a new father. You're a building block in a new temple, erected on the foundation of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, right on through into the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Remember what he said as he and his disciples walked alongside the Jerusalem temple, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will rebuild it. You are a stone in that rebuilt temple of his body. You are the fulfillment of Jesus's prophecy. Baptism makes you a building block in that temple. You are greater than the Jerusalem temple because you are placed into Christ's body. Now, This can happen not on your terms or my terms, not as a Lone Ranger. We can only have the Church as our mother. We can only have that intense relationship that St. Paul calls us to by being all in. Uh, This Holy Week, great time to remember the absolute necessity of the Church. And so remember, Holy Thursday, think about the absolute necessity of the Church as we celebrate the institution of the priesthood through whom we get extraordinary graces in Eucharistic glory. I'm Al Creston.